Behavior analysts actively engage in professional development activities to acknowledge and develop skills related to cultural responsiveness and diversity. They evaluate their own biases and ability to address the needs of individuals from diverse backgrounds. They do not discriminate against others and behave in an equitable manner. Behavior analysts maintain awareness that their personal biases and their challenges may interfere with the effectiveness of their work. Behavior analysts take appropriate steps to resolve interference and ensure that their professional work is not compromised. The current behavior of parents, children, and all stakeholders is a function of their past experiences. As practitioners, understanding how systems create distrust in people from diverse backgrounds is pivotal to the success in delivery of service. Parents, please understand that you have the right to hold your clinical team to the aforementioned standards. Should you feel like your needs are not being met, reach up and reach out. Practitioners, use this opportunity to learn how to become more culturally sensitive in your practice by understanding the stories of families and as a result, their motivation when working with you. Being compassionate in practice is essential to the successful outcomes. one day and I said you know I was like literally I was I was praying to God I was like what's wrong with my daughter and he says to me real simple and clear like how we're actually talking he says to me you have surface patience but not inner there's a difference you can pretend that you have something but you don't have it that was scary pretend and I'm like okay I love my daughter but I don't want to be around her yeah that same thing I had to get to my 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 me and my me, <laughs> my inner me did not like my daughter you were stressed out I I loved her but I didn't like her and then when I realized that I said, okay, <laughs> let me change my ways. Because she was the only, I was the only one who was getting punched. Everyone else, father, grandparents, uncle, cousins, great-grandmother, no one, teacher, no one was getting hit but me. She was feeding off of my energy. Because remember, I told you, I, I loved her, but I didn't like her. So everyone else loved her and liked her. Okay, yay! And I'm like, okay, work. Gotta go, bye! Ooh, escape. Oh, I'm good. I feel great, right? And she was feeding off of that energy that I didn't actually tell her, but she was feeding off, okay, mommy don't want to be around me. Mm. Well, I didn't want to be around her because I, didn't, I was scared of her.
Welcome to the Resilience Podcast, Episode 5. Jaquise Moore joins us today and discusses her learning trajectory with her daughter, Jasmine. During this, this episode, we hear her discuss her struggles in raising her daughter, having to adjust her inner energy, and as a result, being able to create an environment supporting emotional and academic growth. Ms. Moore is a parent, advocate, and actively seeks to help parents succeed now that she has found her own path learning with Jasmine. So yes. tell us a little bit about you, Miss Moore. Yes. So my name is Jaquise Moore. I am born and raised in Maryland. <laughs> We're on the opposite end of the United Coast. States. Yes. You're um, really close to about one. three states. In LA one time, one time. <laughs> but did you um, like it? I did. It was on vacation, you know, so it was hot. <laughs> uh, it's always hot over here. We get like no like change of weather. Yes, we're in coats right now. <laughs> um, born and raised in Maryland, and um, a mom. That's like the overall why I'm here, actually. Uh, but profession-wise, I'm actually an English second language instructor. Uh, so I teach yes I was a preschool teacher for years and then I was like oh, I don't want to do that anymore and then I switched over to the college and adult side but because of COVID-19 I they were I was let I was let go and I had to find my my place in life I should say and this is exactly how I found my place so actually COVID-19 wow. Uh, kind of pushed me to this point, and I love it. Absolutely love Resilience. it. Resilience. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That's yes. awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Yes. Oh, that's um, really pro- good profession wise, I'm actually outside of English second language, and um, um, where actually I'm three classes away to get my master's in that. Uh, yes, yes. September, by the time September comes, I'll have my master's in that. Um, but the interesting part about me advocating for my child has led me to different other um, positions in the autism field, and it has expanded. Uh, so professionally, I am a special needs coordinator, through uh, Saving Grace Ministries is located in New Jersey. I can do everything on Zoom. Then I actually am another position. I have, a, I'm a parent supporter through ANC Services, which is located in Virginia, which I can do everything on Zoom. Yes. And then I just received a, um, um, a position, uh, which is interesting because at my church, we have a, a, a wide church conference. And so now I am uh, a Maryland committee representative of that actual um, church conference that deals with all disabilities. And I have no degree in special education. I have no <laughs> years in that. So all that from your parent advocating. You know life. Yes. yes. You know life. Like who else is better than to advocate than you are, you know? And the motivation is going to be there. 
So mm-hmm. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. each one of these positions? Like what like what does each like the coordinator and the other positions um what okay. do they entail? Things that you do? Yes. Yeah, so um the one in New Jersey is actually for um which is kind of interesting, all the the ANC services and, and um Saving Grace Ministries, they were actually the people that was the CEO and founder of those programs were actually on my show myself on learning with Jasmine. And then a month, and then like within a month later, I was there, I was in a part of their group. <laughs> it's interesting. They're like, oh, yeah. I want you to be on we my want you. Yeah. We need someone like you. Yeah. Let's, we need someone who will advocate and speak right. up. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Saving Grace Ministries, um, so I um, deal with the parents and I'll talk a little more about how I uh, support the parents with all about um, advocating for themselves and their children. And so these are individuals that have a childhood IEP and I basically contact them to make sure they're, as a parent, I know that sometimes things can be overwhelming. And so to have someone in your corner and saying, okay, you can vent, you can call me. You can, uh, you know, if you need some some resources, I'm I'm here to help. If I don't know it, then I will find out the resources for you. And so that's what Saving Grace Ministry and actually ANC Services is actually combined when I do those calls. Um, so when I do my reports monthly, you know, I do separate ones, but then I combine all of it because then it's all growing, and I give them all the services. As far as the um, the one through the church, they just got it just just got started, and so we haven't had a meeting yet. But basically, those um, the the representatives for each state of the Allegheny East Conference, which is actually like Maryland, D.C., Virginia, New Jersey, Philadelphia. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Pennsylvania, I should say. Um, and I think there's like one more state would be more like representative of that state. And so then when when there is services for the community and for the church, then I can call the per- the person from Virginia and say, hey, I have a I have a a, a client who's in the, in Virginia. Uh, do you have the services, re- any resources for this? And so because this is now disability, all 13 categories. I am super excited because um, that actually has helped. That will actually help one of my one of my clients, a uh, parent who is hearing impaired. Uh, that was the very first time I actually encountered with someone who was deaf uh, about three weeks ago, and it has opened up my eyes as um, someone who's always on social media, who always have YouTube channels but then not really care for those who cannot hear me. And so right. just mm-hmm. being mindful of that has actually- So how do, you, how do you help that family and how do you help them access resources if, if they have something that limits their accessibility, which is specifically so hearing? It was interesting because um, when I was talking to the um, translator of the, for the parents who- you know, his hearing impaired through um, through an NBR number. 
phone number that is basically for those who are deaf and then they have a translator she says well you know well, why don't we just do have you ever heard of um of an app named Wavelo, and I'm like, no, I haven't. It's for those who are hearing impaired that can actually call you from whatever number you put down, and you can see the three. You can see yourself, you can see the the client, and then you can see the um the translator. And wow! So, through the app. Do an app. It's free. You can do it on your on your phone. You can do it on your computer. It's called Wavelo, and so that is like opening up. So the YouTube part would also be making sure I have my videos that can have the translation that they can mm-hmm. actually read it. And so just being mindful of that, yeah, makes me, yeah, makes me expand more. Yes, it's a game oh, changer. It's a yeah. game changer. You're gonna start a new I, trend. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm hyped. I'm ready. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> See, my love mind that. was always about autism because I have a child who's autism. Right. You exactly. Know? But now it's like, wow. I'm a, I'm, a person of, I'm a person of faith. And so I definitely do believe that this is a God God calling. Um, mm-hmm. This is you know, yeah, I'm gonna get I'm yeah, I'm gonna get my master's in, in English second language, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll do it on the back end. I'll, I'll, hmm. I might tutor someone, you know, hmm. type of thing. But I'm not. It's like I want to get to the point. Now, all this is all, all volunteer, so I'm hmm. just setting up. I'm just setting up, setting up, and waiting for that moment. And it, it's, it's gonna. It's when it comes. I claim it in this this year. That is everything is gonna be. Fall, it's falling into place already. So right. mm-hmm. I'm excited. So that's that's, yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing because parents, you know, parents do need resources. Sometimes they don't know where to go and how, what to um, like what to do when they have a, a child diagnosed with autism. The delay of diagnosis of autism for children of color has been very well documented. Multiple studies have demonstrated that black and brown children are diagnosed at a significantly later time as compared to their Caucasian counterparts. Delays in diagnosis cause delay in access to services and continued developmental delays. Children that have significant developmental delays in language tend to exhibit maladaptive behavior at a higher frequency. All of this putting black and brown families in positions where they incur stressors to the family units on top of all other stressors imposed by systems of oppression. So because of COVID-19, I was like, man, I have to be in the same roof with her 24-7. This is depressing me um, because I was so scared of my daughter. I didn't know how her reaction would be. Um, and I know I'm kind of jumping a little bit because prior to the diagnosis, she was the, she was an angel. I mean, whatever I said, she did gracefully <laughs> she did not hit him and and kick and bite and throw toys and destroy the room she was just like okay whatever mommy says i'll do no two-year-old tantrum i was like yes amen you know type of thing <laughs> uh, it was great but the someone explained to me because she was so delayed that the ketchup had to come so at what age did she get diagnosed? She was diagnosed at age seven. She's nine now. Wow. At age seven? seven? Age seven. So, so oh leading, uh, so um, 
and she uh, was and she was three years behind. Okay, so tell us what led you, what drove you to getting her, to taking her to the doctor? Like, even did you have any questions prior to that? Like, how how did the diagnosis come about? Okay, so she did intervention. For those who are listening, early intervention, absolutely yes, yes, please. Early intervention is basically the early stage of life, but if wherever you, the, the child is, that's still important to find um, support and resources. But early intervention, yes, absolutely. Um, and then at age two, they was like, oh, she doesn't have any autism. Really? Okay, let me, let me make sure, let me dot that moment. Okay, let me put that date in my head. Okay, because I felt like she did as a preschool teacher for over 20 years. And I right. kind of knew a little about, about autism, just only right. based upon the uh, actual parent who's telling me that their child has autism. Right. I kind of felt that. Okay. Um, I she was too. And you had been, so you, you were like, you're essentially at this point in teaching preschool for 20 years you're an expert like i would yep. you know i would argue that you're an expert because mm -hmm. you've been working with kids for so long so based on your experience based on you know uh what you, where you have seen had seen kids based on parents that had reported that their kids are on the spectrum then as a result you were you had some suspicions about your own daughter being possibly being yes, on the spectrum. a lot of delay but because she could hear and understand her name, because she was a, there was a eye contact, you know, the general checklist of yeah. okay, she does not have autism. I said, okay, let me date that. Okay. So you, so you, so they told you she wasn't on the spectrum. At that point, did you press the issue? Um, no, I like did not press. I did not press the issue. I just like literally, my mother and, and my mother is an educator herself. Mm. She was a preschool teacher. She was a teacher. She was. She is now a school counselor in a, a public okay. school system. So she knows. And we're like, okay, we're gonna date that. Okay, at age two, okay. and age, um, at around age. Five, she was in. Do you know what? It's actually one of the special education programs. It was yeah, like okay. literally um, a restraint program, mm -hmm. um, the high restraint one, because um, she was knowledgeable, but she wasn't talking. So okay. because she wasn't talking, she was in the classroom, which we, my mama, my mom and I did not know particularly because this was very new my mother in the middle school and i was in the preschool daycare so it is totally different you guys and um so they were saying oh yeah this is a great program for her then when they they talked all game but when we went to the, cl the classroom there was nobody there that was our red flag right there but we continued on we said okay and what so, do you mean there was nobody there Nobody, no, the teachers and the and the um, students was not there that day. Okay, mm. so it was a classroom. That was my red flag that I should have waited until. Okay, can I observe the classroom with the kids and the oh, teacher okay. yeah, type yeah, of yeah. thing? Um, but I didn't because I just knew that my daughter needed school. My did my daughter needed okay. help, and that was so. What you're saying is that you put her in a classroom where it was it was for. Uh, kids that were more impacted or maybe more severe because you're saying high restraint right well this is the thing um i'm not sure in la but in maryland there's different ones that um it's like it has to do with 
the diagnosis versus the ability to function in school. And so she yes. was, she did not have the diagnosis first at that time. Okay. So because of that, she wasn't actually in a special ed program, but mm -hmm. she had special ed services. Does that make sense? Okay. Right. And so then, yeah. so then it was children who did not have the diagnosis, but because their speech delays, there were some issues. They were put into this class. There okay. were some. There were some major issues because if everyone was not talking, <laughs> so that what you're what you're kind of talking about is that there were some systemic issues, in the sense that um, uh, there was a lot of kids that clearly needed more services and more help. They weren't diagnosed. However, right. they just they were just put into this classroom, which was a special ed classroom, but yet. That's that's essentially that's all they told you at the time. Right. So and because I didn't see. So when by the time I saw the classroom, which met me about two or three months later down the line, because I really wanted to see it because my daughter would come home and her name is Jasmine. So, you know, I can't sing daughter. <laughs> it feels, feels kind of weird to say daughter. Um, Jasmine would say, I want a bottle at age five. And mm. I was like. What do you what do you mean? At that point you had already gotten rid of the, the bottle, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. And I was like, what are you talking about? Bottle. Mm -hmm. And she and she'll say the person's name and said, she had a bottle. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh. Okay. Pinpoints. Okay. And then we're another conversation. And that's how I am. I'm very cold turkey kind of person. I'm I'm a person who kind of analyze and put the pieces together. And then I'm like, okay. So when I talk to the teacher, I got a whole list. <laughs> I'm not just doing an assumption. I'm, I'm, I have a whole list. This is what she said. This is this. And so, um, so then after a while, she was like, um, somebody threw She'd be like, somebody cried. I'm like, yeah, and she threw toy. She threw toy. And what happened after she threw a toy? And then it was like a conversation. And she started bubble, um, babbling again. And so like, she was trying to really talk, but she was still holding back. And so I was like, okay, let me just pop my head one day. And so I popped mm. my head, and she was the only child that was not in a restraint seat. Wow. What do you she mean? Was restraint seat? Like a seatbelt. Like a toddler seatbelt. Like I, I like and, how I and was this doing. was and this and was how old was she again? She was five. And so this is this is a uh, four years ago. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, so this was like a high chair almost, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And these are like I, 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 these are I've like seen. these are like two to five year olds in one classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And that made me really over. sad. Yeah. And so aggravating. Um, no wonder she it? was talking about so and so when when they said, Oh yeah, you come in and I was listening, I was waving and I was like, Oh okay, so she was saying about this this child, oh no wonder she was talking about the bottles because she's two. Okay. All right, she needs to leave. 
And so I didn't say a word. Then the next time I, I went back, um, I, I brought my aunt. It was, it was Jasmine's birthday party. And my aunt was, my aunt already knew. So I said, you, you know, while in that time, you observe. And she knew. <laughs> and we got in the car. She was like, oh, my goodness. And so then we had, uh, I had a meeting with my mother and my aunt. And I was like, okay, I needed to have an IEP meeting. <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And the teacher told me, which I could never forget. She says to me, I don't want her to leave me. I'll be, I'll be so sad. I, I, she said, I said, in the oh. IEP meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a cold turkey crying. Part. And I said, yeah. well, um, that's not, that's not my problem. Right. That's, that's not in the best interest of your daughter. That's not my <laughs> problem. Okay. No. Sorry. <laughs> and so, um, with the next IEP meeting, came about was because um I guess she got upset that I when I said that and so um nobody else said that my mother was right next to me and she, she was like I agree it's not our problem um right so basically it was her classroom and then the next next hallway next door to her was another classroom which was a higher up classroom higher up classroom, whatever that looked like, right? And right. so um, the other teacher was like, well, you, she could come to my classroom. Um, and I was like, so what is this classroom about? You know, and so oh, more, more independence and uh, more vocabulary. And it's not just anyone that's actually special ed. It's just a regular classroom, but more assistance. Oh. So there's more inclusion in there. Okay. Sounds better. Right. Let me observe. And so when mm-hmm. I observed it, I said, okay, that, was, that, that looks so much better. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we don't have no bottles here. I was like, great, we don't have no bottles yeah. here. And so the other teacher was still upset. So what they did was actually, um, it was, you know, I realized after a while, it was like, mm, okay, y'all just, just broke the law. Uh, they did not ask me to give permission to observe another person to come in so the IEP the second IEP meeting it was interesting it was so funny I had a laugh really uh, <laughs> the, um, the teacher says okay so we have um, we had a, um, a school psychologist that came in and observed Jasmine in both settings I said huh you mean the, the classroom that she was supposed to be out of oh Okay, so then um, she says, um, "Here, here's the school psychologist," and she was like, she was like, so like so proud of what she was about to tell her, you know, about to say. And so the school, school psychologist said, "Okay, I have observed Jasmine in both settings, and um, one classroom she is not smiling, she is not interactive with other kids, she just sits there um, with you know." like a blank stare on her face. Um, she's not, you know, answering questions. Okay. Then the other classroom, she's happy. She's smiling. She's interactive with other kids. She is talking with the, the teacher, asking questions, answering the questions correctly. And, and then, she, and so the other teacher's like, you know, the teacher 
first teacher, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. And then she says, um, Miss So-and-so, um, we have to switch Jasmine into Miss So-and-so's class. And her face just dropped. And I said, wait, hold on. You mean to tell me I never knew about the, the outsider that was going to observe my daughter. Mm-hmm. But then you decided that you were so proud in how you you thought that the school, school psychologist was actually going to get a report to give to me right now. But you didn't realize that she was talking about the other teacher's classroom. Hmm, that's that's kind of funny. So what you're saying is is essentially they you didn't give consent for them to observe your daughter. Absolutely and not. Cons- I did not. Yeah. I did not get a consent form. Nothing they broke. And you know I didn't really care anymore <laughs> whether whether you broke it or not. That's the classroom I told you to, to right. switch her about a month and a half ago. So it's a position that you're kind of like, you have like mixed feelings because yes, you have, you get your daughter to be in the classroom that you want her to be at. But at the same time, it's like, what is this? Like, no one even asked me to observe my daughter. No, no one, one did even, not, no one did not observe. Yeah. But then, but then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fight this because, right. uh, you know, this is the best interest for my daughter. Anyway, it worked, I told it you, it, for your daughter right, it's myself. like, you know, win lose situation. So, you know, let me, but anyway, Jasmine's behavior switched up like that. Okay. At home. Tell us about that. So no, she went. So at, this point, at school. At, at school. school. So at she school. went into the new. She went into the new. She went into the new. Um, okay. Within within. So this was still kindergarten. Then it was first grade. She had to go to another school, and then the second grade she had to go to another school. So actually, first first grade. First grade, um, she had an actual neglection. Uh, and the neglection was a regular classroom with 27 kids. And um, she was still not really verbal. And um, she would, could go to the bathroom, but sometimes had, had accidents. Well, this time, um, we had a, like a meeting because of the accidents that came along with it. So that day, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, and she says, the teacher says, um, yeah, Jasmine had an accident today. I said, oh, really? You all didn't tell me. Y'all didn't call me like you usually call me. Well, you know, it's not really a different, it was a different type of accident. I said, what type of different accident? She was like, she pooped in her, in her underwear. I was like, oh, okay, well, she she got changed, right? She changed herself, right? She said, "No." What do you mean? Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, you mean what do you mean? No. This and I. This is in the IEP meeting. This is four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. She says, "You know, she she pooped around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning." Were there so, other administrators so in that? She, in that is she still in her poop? She said yes, but she's playing. What what? Well, you know, she's fine. She's fine. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me you all knew that she pooped and she she you didn't allow her to change herself? Are you trying to tell me? No phone call, no nothing. No phone call, no nothing. And they didn't change her. In an IEP meeting with other professionals in mm-hmm. there. And, and with you there, too. Well, let me tell you this. No one else knew. Mm, surprise, surprise. 
So, so she accidentally just told on herself. How did the other administrators look at each other at that moment? They were, they were like, what you're trying to say is, wait, Miss Moore, go, go assist your daughter. We're going to have this meeting right now. So I sis, when I literally would say from, you know, the door and they called, they called her outside. She was sweaty. So sweaty and sneaky at the same time. That That's not a good mix. Mm-mm. And then um, <laughs> literally about from the door to the office to probably like down a hall, maybe like 40 feet away, I could smell this stench just coming towards me. When I'm walking towards her, she's walking towards me and the door is open and all that stuff and if I could smell her that far away anyone else can smell her and it was like didn't want to play with her nothing so I literally took my daughter changed her clothes were still in the bag finally we got cleaned up and I left my, my, my I left my purse I left everything that was in the office, I left to assist my. I didn't care about my parts, right? I went back in the office and um, I didn't say a word. I just gathered up my things, and she was like, "Um, so wait, where we are we gonna continue?" I said, "I said," and I walked out. So the so the um, the principal came to me and she was like, I'm so sorry. I did not know. I didn't say a word. Give me my space I didn't, right now. I didn't, I didn't say a word. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not going to put the race card on here, but you do not want to talk to a black woman when they're mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not going to mm-hmm. work. Okay. And so um, I just, you know, did like this. I did yeah. go to the nurse who was african-american um and who was always the one who was calling me before so then i I approached her and she said no one told me okay so they're they were really sneaky okay all right they did that on purpose okay awesome um and so i went home with her i told my mother and the next day my mom was like oh ready for school jasmine i said she's not going to school she, at this point, she's not even safe. She's, she's not, not safe. She's not going to school. So she said, I agree. <laughs> she's not going to school. Okay, she's not going to school. So um, I get a phone call. I get a phone call then. Okay, awesome. Mm. I get a phone call. Um, now yeah, and now, now that they're not, she's not there. I get a phone call. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. We was learning where Jasmine is. I said, oh, I'm on my way. So they said, okay, we'll wait for her. I get there and I said, they're like, where's Jasmine? At home. Wait, I thought she's, I said, I am on my way. I'm getting all her stuff. I'm taking her out of school today. I'm officially an honor roll. I'm officially canceling the services, the school, everything for her. That's it. I'm homeschooling her. So this is around six years old. take care of my daughter. And this is six years old. That was Friday. A Monday came. I went to write to the board. 
had to get my thoughts together on the weekend. I, I couldn't, I couldn't come out of my emotions. Right. And I went there and I explained everything to the lady. And then she says to me, <laughs> so what do you want me to do? Let me go because I'm, I'm about to catch a case. I'm about to go to jail. And I literally said that to her. I'm about to go to jail. So I'm going to leave you. He- I'm going to leave you here. That's it. I'm good. That that was that was your benediction right there. I'm done. And so I officially um, homeschooled Jasmine. It was like an arm and leg for me to homeschool her. She was so behind that I couldn't even homeschool her. I and literally. Was there was no empathy. There was no empathy for the administrators or or nothing. I'm sorry you had to go through that. No, I got a, I got an email like four days later from the administration saying we want Jasmine back. I deleted it. I didn't even respond. Did not even respond. That was it. I was done. See, they were so scared. I didn't express my feelings. I didn't do anything like that. So then. I homeschooled her. It took the entire day to do like maybe one lesson. I just couldn't homeschool her. She was so behind. Um, Backtracking on a personal note, I have dyslexia. And I'm, I remember when when my, my teacher, a, a teacher told me I was stupid, that I would never amount to anything. Then my mother homeschooled me. It took a whole year for me to, for her to even get my self-esteem back up. And I'm like, okay, this is like a backtrack of what my what I went through, right? But in a way, um, it took a year. Then I started noticing some t- some signs of autism. The very first what time. Type of, what type of signs did you uh oh hand flapping. Okay. Hand flapping. I mean daily. And I was like Okay, I remember so and so in the preschool that did that. Okay, and then I, and then of course, remember I told you at age two, no, Eight, yeah, mm-hmm. at age two it came back to me, and I said okay. So then I I I took some videos, and I sent it to, uh, which is interesting. I have friends who had was autism is an autism specialist, um, like three or four. Some of them are. Some of them are parents. And so I actually did a video and I sent it to them and they said, yes, but it's too soon. He said, stretch it out. Wait until another six months. If you see more, go to, go to, you know, get services for that, you know, get a diagnosis. I waited for eight months. It was full blown. No one can't tell me that she didn't have autism. It was Mm -hmm. full blown. Um, never still did not see the behavior until after the diagnosis. So before that, the only thing, the only um, the hand flapping, uh, they was the hand flapping and then the delay in language, which yes. was uh, something that you saw from the time that she was smaller. Yes, exactly. Okay. So then, so then, unfortunately, the system is if you live near a school that's your home school right mm. so where your child can go but because she was neglected at the school where it was 
she had to go to the same school with the same special ed teacher that neglected her for her to get services. For her to get services in school. For like autism. And this is after she was diagnosed. This is after she was diagnosed. Oh, let me let me go from diagnosis. When we get when we okay. got there, three minutes three minutes later, she said she had autism. It was full blown. Mm. If I would have if I if I would have contacted them um, eight months before, they probably would have said no. Cause that was the only thing that it was only the hand slapping. Mm. It was no behavior. It was it was nothing like that. It was just a hand flapping. So I waited for it to like really get into the system, right? So then um, there was a, a diagnosis, and unfortunately she had to go to the same school that she was neglected in, which was the same principal, it was the same teachers. I mean, like you know, of course from grade level to grade level, but it was saying some a teacher that I didn't like that she didn't like. Um, that was the one who neglected it, like, well, what's the problem she's playing? Yeah, that was the same lady. And so um, when we got to the meeting, she said, okay, well, you know, the system is that we have to observe her for four months, for three, four months. I said, why? You you all know that you, are, that you don't have the services for her because you neglected her. <laughs> you neglected her. <laughs> And she said, and the teacher, the principal's like, well, we don't want to go talk about in the past. I said, in the past, you neglected her. So in the in the present moment, you're, you're gonna still neglect her, but it's gonna be maybe you may not do the way that you used to do because you know y'all scared of me right now. Mm-hmm. So you probably neglect her with her or actual education, which means that we're gonna have the same conversation three or four months later saying. Oh, uh, we could. We did not find any way that we can service her. That's the way you you neglect children. Is by knowingly that you're not going to have those services, and you still do it. You can override it. You can just transfer her over. But because they were like, no, nah, nah, nah. so again, three four months later, we have the same. Oh, did I just tell you that? So now what has happened is now she's going to start another another school, another class, another uh, a, another teacher, all that when she should have started in September with the actual classroom, whatever. So then she moves on to another school, the best school that she have had at that time, best school. But then it was actually an autism program program in a school, regular class, regular, regular school. Um, it was one, one issue that I did not like, and that was because I just know boys, it was all boys, she would be the only girl. Mm. Whatever. My mom said, this is the best one. It, it, I'm trying to tell you this is the best one. She kind of know by then she know she knew all the services by then. I was like, okay. And so um <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take it. Best teacher ever. Um, no issues. The only issue that I had with her um one time was I Jasmine had they had an art project. They had, I don't know how why they did sand and glue together. I have no idea. 
but they, she put it in her hair and then all the boys kind of mess it up and put it in her hair. And I, I'm like, she has kinky hair. Do not do that again. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that moment. Um, but then she's, I said, I'm real clear. As long as you communicate with me, I'm fine. Um, and she said, okay, best teacher ever. And that was in um, first grade, officially first grade. She was already in first grade before, but she had to come back, you know? So it was like, it was like kindergarten, pre-K, pre-K, kindergarten. She had two teachers. First grade, she had two teachers with two different programs. Second grade, she had two teachers. It It was each time she would repeat itself it's like you transferring to another program, but then you have to stay in that grade level. It was, it was, it was a lot for her. And so then, then she moved on to second grade, and her first grade teacher said, "I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I was gonna go to second grade, and she was gonna be in my classroom, but we, we moved. My family and I moved, and it's farther. And she's like, I really want to actually work near my home. Fine, I'm set, but fine, okay." She said, but she already knows her second grade teacher. Okay, awesome. Cool. And I already told her, communication for Miss Moore, or she's gonna have an issue. Fine. Awesome. Second grade was the worst. It was the worst of the 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 last two grade levels. She did not do absolutely nothing. Where's her homework? What, what is she doing? It, what is she learning? I'm that type she of parent. A call or anything. I'm that type There's of parent. It was. It was nothing. It was. So then, at the end, this is COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen comes. Okay, how is she doing? What's her grades? Whatever. And she's like, oh, she's doing awesome. And I'm thinking myself, she is not doing awesome because it takes an arm and a leg for her to do something at home. By then, her behavior has, has trickled down to hitting, fighting, throwing toys at home, doing all the things that children with autism possibly will do, right? Um, but we're not doing it at school. She was masking it, okay? Um, oh, she's doing so much. How much? Okay, all right. So it, it was literally May when. I got the report card for Jasmine. One A, two Bs, three Cs, and four Ds. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's your kind of good, but that's not my kind of good. So why is this? And she says to me, it's like, why do people actually tell them, tell me their feelings and think that they're going to get away with this? Okay. All right. I can play this game. She says to me, well, she's doing good. She did good this whole year doing kindergarten work. Oh! She's in second grade. She's in second grade. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I said, oh, okay. So you just wanted a, you just wanted a paycheck because you had to get a report card out. So then why don't, why don't you say this is kindergarten work? Because it's kindergarten grade. And so the second grade report card, it's not a second grade report card. This is a kindergarten report card on a second grade um, 
you know, mindset because she's in, was you a second grade teacher, but why is she doing kindergarten work? Oh, because her um, delays. I said, no, what you do is you support her. You give her manipulatives. You do her, you, you give her a lot of options for her to, to grow in academic. You don't lower her down. No wonder it took a whole year to figure out why is she crying over second grade work when I didn't have homework. So I would, you know, get the, the books from the store and I would, you know, help her and support her. And, you know, wondering why she's crying over, you know, something that she has to learn. She, she should have been learning all year long. No wonder. She wasn't being exposed to it at school. Communication, I told you. Communication is very important. So now I'm pissed off because you didn't have the respect to tell me as a teacher. I told you, I, I'm I'm in the background of 20 years in preschool. I've always had communication with my parents. And so now I I don't know what you have taught her. So now I have to figure out how is she going to get the resources and the um, and the the learning for second grade because third grade is multiplication. So is she still she's still with one plus one. She ain't gonna be ready for you know five times ten. She's not gonna be ready for that. And right. so um, she says to me, "Okay, well, it's COVID nineteen. That was her response." Okay, all right. And so I knew I had to advocate more. <laughs> and so I was literally talking to one of my friends and she said, I mean, do you know the difference between homeschool versus virtual homeschool program? I was like, okay, I, have, I know homeschool and I know virtual because I'm in a virtual master's program. Yeah, I know about that. She said, yeah, but do you really know about that? I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, children with autism may may succeed much higher, much better, and give more gains when they feel it's virtual because it's like a one-on-one mindset. Hmm, okay. So I Googled virtual homeschool programs and SLS Academy, SLS Academy um, came up on Google. I am not a paid parent, okay? Everyone, not a paid parent. Assault Academy is a virtual homeschool program that actually saved my daughter's life. So at that point, you took, um, you pulled her out of the school and you put her in this virtual school. Yes. And this was last now, year. Now, let me tell you, I pulled her out in May. She was still, she had a report card, but she was finishing up her second grade with the teacher. Bye. Right. In a month, she's, the teacher says, after we actually had that conversation with the grades, she says, I don't know what, what is going on. Like, all of a sudden, she's answering questions. I didn't say a word. <laughs> 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 really, now? You want to play? See, you played me, and I'm playing you. I'm going to drink to this. <laughs> this is my water, you guys. I'm not drinking <laughs> 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 well, she's actually being being uh, exposed to school and learning at that moment in time. So she's actually having the 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 last few weeks. I let her, even though I was mad at her teacher, I allowed her to have the last few weeks 
because I knew that she was already starting second grade with the Solace Academy. So I had to go back to an actual program to teach her second grade work. That was in May. She finished. Now, look what, what usually is school is usually like nine months, you know, depending upon the, the breaks. All She finished and she started a Solace Academy in May. She finished in December with all A's and B's. Wow. Oh, that's good. And this is second grade level. This is second grade level. And I am very <laughs> strict on you have to try. Yeah. As long as you try, I am great. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's wrong. You have to try. That is when I was a preschool teacher for 20 years, that was my only rule in my classroom is to try. If you try, then I can I can help you. You know, I had a, like a little boy that I, I remember he was five years old, couldn't even write his name. Couldn't write his name. Couldn't write the letter A at age five. I'm like, what did the parents not do? But anyway age five and every literally for one week we did the letter a i can't i can't i can't try we're gonna do just do one line over and over and over by the mm-hmm. end of the two or three weeks he going to write his name as long as you try i can help you as long as you can try, you can expand. You can do whatever you are have the potential to do it. And so, second grade, yeah, we had uh, um, the crying, we had the whining, we had the tantrum, we had the meltdowns. And this was but, all at home because you were homeschooling her or doing the this virtual school from home. Yes, yes, we had okay. all of that. We had the hitting, we had the biting, we had the whatever how did you deal with all of those behaviors when uh from home or (laughs) well (sighs) did not realize that my energy internally affected her externally Mm. um and this is more real being more transparent being more real as a parent we got to be real with ourselves um the the yelling was me uh, the frustration was me um not only does she have autism and speech delay but she also has global development delay i never knew what was a terminology until someone explained it to me like the perfect global means what the world right so mm-hmm. global development delay is how she expresses how she feels the sensory part of her world. Now, see, I, I really believe, I really believe that if I had a, a child who just had autism, I would be great. Because because that's that's internal to her. Mm-hmm. But now she's feeding off of somebody else's energy. That's global development delay. So you don't know, like I could be stressed over a bill in my room, having reached to her room and she's already ready, ready for me. Like I would walk in the door one day and she was like, to me. 
And I'm like, what in the world? Are you okay? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> But because I was stressed over a bill, she was feeding off of that. I take autism in a heartbeat, not global development delay. Global development delay is much scarier than what it is. And so I had to, I had, I literally was stressed one day and I said, you know, I was like, Lily, I was, I was praying to God. I was like, what's wrong with my daughter? And he says to me, real simple and clear, like how we're actually talking, he says to me, you have surface patience, but not inner. There's a difference. You can pretend that you have something, but you don't have it. That was scary. I pretend and I'm like, okay, I love my daughter, but I don't want to be around her. Yeah, that same thing. I had to get to my, my, my me and my, my inner me did not like my daughter. You were stressed out. I, I loved her, but I didn't like her. And then when I realized that, I said, okay, let me change my ways. Because she was the only, I was the only one who was getting punched. Everyone else, father, grandparents, uncle, cousins, great-grandmother, no one, teacher, no one was getting hit but me. She was feeding off of my energy. Because remember, I told you, I, I loved her, but I didn't like her. So everyone else loved her and liked her. Okay, yay! And I'm like... Okay, work. Gotta go. Bye. Ooh, escape. Oh, I'm good. I feel great, right? And she was feeding off of that energy that I didn't actually tell her, but she was feeding off, okay, mommy don't want to be around me. Mm. Well, I didn't want to be around her because I, didn't, I was scared of her. Mm. But it was, it was really hard. Go ahead. And as a parent, you probably have to give her demands and instructions, and those demand and instructions are probably Oh, please. She was not listening to me at all. <laughs> she was not listening to me at all. No. And then if I say, come on, come on, come on, come on. What else to say? You know, and she chased, I'm chasing her around the, the room and everybody's like, I know she's not chasing her around the room. Why is she chasing her around? Okay, that's her daughter. I'm okay or whatever. <laughs> you know, and she's laughing. She's having a good time because she's feeding off of my energy. And Miss Paul, how did your family react to that? It's entertainment for her. And I'm I'm the one who's stressed. And so I had to get the point. And so I, literally, I kid you not, after I had that conversation with God, and I realized it was me, not her, me, I went into her room, and she was about to, like, literally about to punch me. I kid you not, it was like, literally, the fist was right near my face. And I, my, my host, I was like, okay, Jasmine, okay, but I was boiling my skin. And I said, okay, I'm gonna breathe. <sighs> okay, I can do this. I'm gonna have my, and then I started playing music. Literally, she was still screaming out, and all of a sudden, she put her fist down, and that was it. She didn't hit me. I said, whoa, yes, okay. Then later on, did it again. Was having a moment. 
and I just started breathing. I didn't react to her, be- her behavior. I didn't say to her, okay, Jamie, don't hit me. You know, I didn't do all those other things. I just started breathing and I said, you know, I can do this. I love my, I love my inner peace. <laughs> so I started doing like the yoga, you know, sayings, whatever. And it calmed like A little bit down. of meditation. It calmed her down. Continued on. Before it used to be seven to 10 times per day, per each, each time would be like an hour long. It would be like 10, 10 hours of tantrums and meltdowns. Did not realize there was a difference. Okay. So I was like, okay, this girl is on the floor doing whatever. So you say for you, there was differences between, um, meltdowns and, and, and tantrums. There's a difference between a tantrum and meltdown. And you have to, as a parent, you have to, you have to recognize which one it is before anything else. So for Jasmine, first thing that comes to anything, a tantrum or meltdown is her face. Her facial expression will change. You got to observe your child, okay? It can be different from anyone. Um, so her face will actually change to a different face, if that makes sense. She'll be a different person. And then you have to recognize which one is a tantrum and versus meltdown. Here we go. Here's the, the part of the, the eats, right? Escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. Each four of those eats have to, you have to recognize which one is a tantrum and which was the meltdown, okay? A tantrum, completely ignore. I don't even care what type of um, behavior it is. Uh, It's attention, escape, uh, tangible, or um, sensory. Completely ignore it. There, your your attention for the behavior will feed off, and it will give them more energy, give them more stimulation, and there is going to be continuous uh, tantrum. A tantrum will go and switch over to a meltdown, but a meltdown can go switch over to tantrum. So then, a meltdown you have to figure out if it's a meltdown. If it's a meltdown for Jasmine, it's cuddle time. She loves a cuddle. We're gonna cuddle. We're gonna play some yoga music, quiet yoga music. We're going. I'm gonna rub her back and her shoulders. Like we're literally before we I guy came on, she had a meltdown. Mm. She actually had a tantrum first because I told her, you know, let's let's stop with the computer right now, and she didn't like that. But then after that, I knew if I didn't hold on to her and start harassing her and saying mommy's here for you i can talk whenever we, if you want me to we can cuddle i can give her hugs and kisses it went straight to meltdown within three minutes she was done compared to seven to ten times per day for one hour each now it could be like maybe a up to 20 minutes in like a month because I can recognize a tantrum versus a meltdown tantrum no no atten- like a couple of days ago I, it was 10 o'clock at night her bedtime is 8 30 
it was, you know, way past her bedtime. She wasn't sleeping. She came into the room and she was crawling. <laughs> she was crawling towards me, didn't say word. I didn't say word either because it was tantrum. It was a tantrum moment, right? Mm -hmm. Because the behavior was that she wanted attention. Mm. That was a tantrum moment. Attention doesn't mean that you had to scream it out. Attention could be attention tantrum. That it could be subtle or it could be loud. And so the tantrum attention was that she just wanted my attention. She didn't want to go to sleep. It was 10 o'clock at night. It was her bedtime at 8.30. She didn't want to go to sleep. And so basically, she wanted and she was trying to get my reaction. Mm -hmm. But because... I didn't say a word or nor look even look at her on the side of where she was I kept on just going my phone I was testing her father and I was like you see this he was testing me back yeah I see this you know we didn't say a word to her right she fell asleep on my lap <laughs> within within three or four minutes because I didn't give her attention so then I kind of gradually just put it back in her bed and that was it. But if I would have said, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, it didn't matter how long or what it looked like. Oh, okay, I got attention. You would have got into it with her and it would have just escalated at that moment. And it would have definitely along. escalated. It would have been like a big old circle. For what? It, when I told yeah. her to go to bed at 8.30. So now it's 10 o'clock and she's still up. Okay, well, you just don't get no attention. Right. So these, so she was, uh, when, when she started, uh, homeschooling, she was having tantrums and meltdowns and you had to figure out how to deal with all of these. You, you made, you split them up in your head and you just, you dealt with them differently. And it sounds like now when she's having a tantrum for like attention, you kind of ignore it. But then if she, there's like some sort of like meltdown, then what you do is you put on some soothing music and then. Right. Like, a meltdown attention is totally different. Meltdown attention. She wants a cuddle. Mm. A tantrum, sensory. She wants she wants something um, sensory, you know, or tangible to hold, like her computer. But a meltdown, uh, tangible could be a computer, but it could be a different type of YouTube channel, right? Mm. And something to mm. kind of calm her down. So it's some. It, I had to study it. Um, mm -hmm. did I wake up in the morning and say, okay, I, I can do this? No, I didn't know a tantrum meltdown. So I was actually, besides not knowing it was me, that was her, her trigger. And that was hard to really say at first. I was her trigger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but to kind of identify those things. So I know from, from being her trigger and also giving her attention that I thought it was a meltdown, but it was really a, t uh, a tantrum. That's why it was more. So there was, so what you're saying is that there's different reasons why these behaviors are coming up. And as depending on the reason, and you had studied her behavior in the past to you yourself. So you, there was different reasons why she was behaving in different ways. So when she was doing a, um, a tantrum, you'd give her, uh, you probably won't give her attention, but if she, if, if it's a meltdown, then you do give her that sensory input that she needs.
Systemic oppression and issues with the system are generational. Ms. Moore discusses being homeschooled as a result of having dyslexia and her teacher telling her that she would amount to nothing. This clearly contributed to her distrust of the system and how she approached situations she faced when her own daughter was identified as having medical educational areas of concern. On multiple occasions, her concerns were disregarded. Additionally, teams working with her daughter were not always forthcoming with information and inclusive in their approach to education. Our interactions as practitioners in the current will impact the way parents perceive practitioners and the system that is behavior analytic practice in the future. Aversive interactions with practitioners in the current can mean possible future accessibility issues for children given the aversive interactions with practitioners. This particular story did not, to our knowledge, include behavior analysts, but it easily could have, and as a result, impacted accessibility of services in the future for this family. Issues of oppression and distrust of systems are not remediated overnight, over a month, over a year, or even over a lifetime. It is our responsibility to understand this and figure out ways to work with families that allow them access to very much needed educational and medical services.